0: Hey everyone, so good to be with you again. Isn't it great that even through this lockdown, we've been able to keep doing church, we've been able to keep just sowing great seeds, putting the gospel out there, cheering each other on. It's just been such a, an amazing, amazing thing that we've been able to achieve. And I know we'll take these skills into post-lockdown, which is on the way, come on! Um, So we're in this uh, series of messages we're calling Hot Topics, and the topics are sex, money and power. It came out of our previous uh, talks on relationship and primarily marriage and how it's sex, money and power that often cause the most conflict. And so we're just trying to touch on these with the concept that if you as an individual can get your heart settled and your mind settled on how you're going to deal with these things, that you can take that with you into a relationship and it will give you a great healthy starting place. But even if you're not in a relationship and don't intend to be, how good to get your heart and mind settled on big topics like this, which ultimately affect everyone. And again, and I'll keep saying it, my goal in this is that you would win. I know almighty God wants you to win. Jesus said, didn't he, in John 10:10, I came that you'd have life and life in its fullness. He wants you to win. So these big topics affect all of us, and God's heart is that you would succeed in all of them. My hope is that it will stir some thought processes in you, cause some conversations with people that you love and care for and do a relationship with, and out of it all, you'd gain a healthier and more biblical perspective. So today we're talking about money. Um, So often I find that people want change, but they don't want to change. Or they want a, a different, something different, but they don't want to do something different. And so really, I hope that you'll go into this conversation around money with an open mind and say, Lord, do I need to shift a perspective? Do I need to change something I'm doing so that I can line up with your word and so that I can walk in your blessings? We want to point each other to God's truth, to God's way of doing life in these major areas. After all, he is the author of life. this isn't a quick fix scheme and it's definitely not a get rich quick scheme so many comments like that go around in church life that's not what this is we all have a different journey we all have a different path to walk but if we can get a God-centered perspective around these topics and today we're talking about money if we can get a God-centered perspective around money we can walk out our individual journeys really really well under the blessings of heaven so often with money um, it's really so linked with heart and with wisdom you know the heart and wisdom will ultimately play their a huge role in how your financial world pans out and your relationship with money will definitely say something about you we all have a relationship with money if you think about it we all do And it says something about who you are as a person, what your heart looks like, where your goals are, where you're going in life. The way you handle and have a relationship with money says something about you. So could we be willing to gain God's perspective, even if that means doing something different, to receive something different? Let's make a statement. Money is not bad. Money is not Bad. I've often so, so heard people, especially in church circles, it's the weirdest thing that, oh, money's evil and, you know, we shouldn't have money and these kind of things. But I want to say money's not bad. Here's why. Money has the ability to be a huge blessing. It can supply food to hungry people. It can send someone on a much-needed holiday or break so they can de-stress and breathe and recenter again. Money can do that. Money can pay a bill to keep your heater on. Money can purchase a gift that could bring tears of joy to someone. Money's not bad. Money can do great things. I remember some years ago that Sarah's always had a dream of owning a pair of Christian Louboutin shoes. Those of you who are into the fashion world would understand what I'm talking about here. And I found myself in a position where I could get her some, so I didn't tell her. And, and anyone who knows Sarah, she is the most difficult person to surprise in history. But I secretly and sneakily paid for these shoes, boxed them up and had them delivered to us. And when Sarah got them, you should have seen her face. It was literally tears of joy. She couldn't believe it. I was a superstar for quite a long time there. So Sarah, I'm just reminding you, you remember that time, I'm still a superstar, you know that. But money enabled that to happen. Money can send people on mission to fit a water supply where there isn't one money can provide medical care where it's much needed money can fund evangelism come on money is not bad but here's where the money is bad thought process comes from and it's a misinterpretation I believe it's in 1 Timothy uh, chapter 6 and verse 10 it says this for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. You see, money isn't bad. It's the heart attitude towards money that can make it bad. It can take what can cause so much good and put a horrible spin on it and cause a whole world of pain. You know, when people have money and their heart's wrong, it can lead to meanness and selfishness and superiority. That's where it gets bad. It's not money that's bad. It's the heart attitude towards money. Do you see there? The love of money. Love is something that comes from your heart. So this is relationship with money, which can turn what is meant for good into something that is very, very bad. It's the love of money that is bad when we think about jesus life and you look around his ministry and and the life he had on earth and look at it through the eyes of what money was affecting him uh, i love this that you know that jesus had in his traveling party a whole bunch of women and they were amazing women let me read this to you in luke 8 and verses 1 through 3 after this jesus traveled from one town and village to another proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of god The 12 were with him, and also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out, Joanna, the wife of Chusa, the manager of Herod's household, Susanna, and many others. These women were helping to support the the ministry from their own means awesome is that we talk about advancement in in how women are seen in our culture well Jesus was a groundbreaker firstly he allowed women to travel with him which at the time would have been very very rare and secondly he held them in such esteem that they were willing to fund his ministry out of their own pocket I love this Joanna you know look at Joanna she's the wife of Chusa the manager of Herod's household you know, she had access to funds. She would have been, in modern day terms, wedged up. And how did she do? What did she do with that? Did she become mean? Did she become superior? No, she used money to help fund Jesus' ministry. Maybe that money that was in her hands has even changed our lives today because we could see what Jesus did in his life and he's touched us. So, money's not bad it's how you have a relationship with money that can be bad how good is it that joanna stepped up with access to funds that funded jesus ministry so so good when uh, jesus was going to the cross they removed his garment from him and the word the bible says it was a seamless garment You know, they drew lots for it. The Roman soldiers drew lots for it. They wanted it. It was a sought-after item. It wouldn't have been an old rag. My point being this. Jesus didn't walk around in old rags. He had a seamless garment. It would possibly have been the Hugo Boss or Giorgio Armani of its day. Jesus wasn't walking around with a poverty mindset. So why do we? And it's just like money's not bad. It's the relationship with money that can shift everything. When Jesus taught us to be generous to the poor, it comes with the assumption that you have some money to give to the poor. How can you be generous if you've got nothing? So the premise is really that God wants us to be blessed so we can be a blessing. We need to have a great relationship with money so that we can help other people. Not so that we become mean and stingy and and superior, but so we're positioned to bring change to our world. Money's good, not bad. It's our relationship with money that can be so, so bad. Love is connected to your heart. And so often I think we need to have this wrestle that when Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment? He said this, didn't he? Love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and strength. And yet here we have this idea of love for money. So there's this competition with loving money, loving God. There's this wrestle. But if we're going to walk out our financial world under the blessings of God, we need to know that God is God. He is number one and money isn't. It's not a competition. It's like God is God. I love and honor him and I submit to his kingship and then have an attitude towards my money. Can you see the tension there? And we need to be people who are willing to walk that out. The truth is, God is willing to get behind your financial world. He's really willing to support you and get behind you. There is no promise anywhere in the world that everyone is going to be stinking rich. And this isn't some weird prosperity message that God's going to bless you and you're going to be super wealthy. The Bible doesn't say that. It's not a get rich quick scheme. But there needs to be great wisdom in handling, handling the money we have. And it's linked with your heart. Look at this in Philippians 4 verse 19. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. God isn't saying, I'm going to make everyone rich. But he is saying, I'll make sure you've got what you need. He is committed to making sure you are well. And as you steward what you have well... Biblically speaking, he says, ah, I can get more behind you because he's looking for vessels. God is looking for men and women and children who will be vessels so that he can get money to us and money through us. So people in the world are fed. People in the world are helped. Ministry can happen. Welfare can happen. Churches are built. And in all of that, you can have a great time. It's about a a process of, of working it out with God. You can do finances with God. Central and walk out the blessings of heaven, or you can remove God, and do finances under your own wisdom, and walk out with your own blessing, and all that brings. And that's fine, because you might be someone sitting here saying, oh, you talk about God, and money, and stewardship, but I know loads of people who are are doing really, really well financially, and they they don't even know God at all, they don't include anything. And do you know what, that's true. You don't necessarily need God to, to do well financially, but here's the thing when we submit our financial handling to God we walk in a flow that you can only get with God. I love this. Have a look at this verse in Proverbs 10 and verse 22. This is what it says. The blessings of the Lord brings wealth without painful toil for it. You see I've got loads of friends Loads of friends who do really well financially. They've got lovely cars, lovely homes, have holidays, wear lovely clothes, go out to nice restaurants. They had this lifestyle. But I also know this. They are constantly pressing. There's lots of pressure on them. They are trying to tick boxes, have meetings, grow businesses, and pressing all the time. And they go away on a holiday, not just to have a nice time, but to to breathe. And yet God says, when you do it my way, I will bring blessings to you, I'll add to you, I'll bring wealth into your hands without the painful toil for it. And that's where I say, and breathe. When you include God in the middle of your financial handlings, when he is central, when he is God and money's not, you won't have the painful toil for it, you'll have everything you need, and then we have a platform to walk forward from. You see, the thing is, we say we love God with all of our heart, but we're also seeing that there's this heart link with how we handle money and God is looking to be number one. The Bible consistently makes this link between heart and finance. Heart and finance. Let me show you a couple. Matthew 6 and verse 21. This is Jesus speaking. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your money is, you're invested there, that's important to you, so my heart's involved now. I always put it like this, if you own stocks and shares anything, you are far more interested in what's happening in the stocks and shares world because you're invested, your heart's there because your treasure's there. Can you see, if if, if you've you know given some money to a project, you're interested in what's happening with the project because you're invested, your heart's involved. Where your treasure is, your heart will be also. 2 Corinthians 9 and verse 7 says this, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give not reluctantly or under compulsion for god loves a cheerful giver can you see this relationship between what's going on in your heart and what's happening with your finances the bible makes this link consistently Now I could bring out a whole bunch more scriptures like that, but I hope I'm just making the point between heart and finance, heart and God, God and finance. There's this intertwining and we need to get our priorities and our orders straight so we steward money well and we walk under the blessings of heaven. You know I want to just spend a few moments now just unpacking the tithe and and the reason I want to do that is I think the tithe gets a bad rap. I think the tithe's confused and and, and miscommunicated and misinterpreted and if you can understand it well it actually brings a whole lot of blessing to you. The tithe is ultimately a heart issue. It's linked with honour and it's linked with kingship. So let me unpack it for you a little bit. Let me take you back to the garden uh, the Garden of Eden, and in the Garden of Eden, where you will all know the story, there's Adam and Eve, and God walks with them in the garden. They literally have access to Almighty God. They walk with him. That was always God's plan. And then he says, God says to them, there's one tree, just one tree that I don't eat from that tree. And you can say, well, what's the point of that? But what that does for the man's relationship with God, by not touching that one tree, it shows that man honors God. God says, that's my portion. That tree there's for me. That's my portion. I don't want you to touch it. And when you don't touch it, it is showing me honor, that I am God, that I am king, and you're not. It's an honor issue. We know, unfortunately, they did touch that tree. And what happened? God still loved them. But they stopped walking in the blessings of heaven. The flow of heaven was interrupted in their world. Because they dishonored what God asked for. Can you see this? There, it wasn't a love issue between man and God. It was an honor issue linked with God's portion. So we then move on through scripture. And we find Abraham, the father of our faith. The one who God says, leave your home and go to a country I'm not going to tell you about yet. And he said, yes, the man of faith who just said, I'm going to do what you say. And did, had an amazing, incredible life. During his journey, he he has many um, victories and stuff, and he comes across this guy called Melchizedek. And we find uh, some of that story here in Genesis 14 and verses 18 through 20. Let me read it to you. Genesis 14, verses 18 through 20. Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. Notice this. He was priest of God most high. Melchizedek was a priest. And he blessed Abram, saying, Blessed be Abraham by God Most High, creator of heaven and earth. And praise be to God Most High, who delivered your enemies into your hand. Look, then Abraham gave him a tenth of everything. Here's the thing. It's King Melchizedek. He was a king and he was a priest. Melchizedek is a forerunner for Jesus. He's representative of God Most High. There was no rules. Abraham wasn't instructed that he had to do anything. But when he encountered Melchizedek, something happened in his heart that caused him to act. And what his heart did says, I want to give you the king's portion. And the king's portion is a tenth. And that's where we get the word tithe. It wasn't a rule. He wasn't compelled to do it. It was a heart response to an encounter with the king. I'm going to give you a tenth. We then find uh, uh, um, Jacob, who's Abraham's grandson. And we find him uh, having this encounter where he he goes to sleep and he has this dream of an open heaven and and angels are coming down uh, the stairs and, you know, there's songs about it, the stairway to heaven. There's there's songs about it and he's talking about this moment where um, Jacob has this dream and he sees an open heaven. And then he wakes up and he has this revelation of, wow, heaven has touched earth. This is a special place. And I want to read you what's spoken about here. Genesis 28 verses 18 to 22. Early the next morning, this is after the dream, Jacob took the stone he had placed under his head and set it up as a pillar and poured, poured oil on top of it. He called that place Bethel. Now Bethel, Beth means house, El means God. This is house of God. You will see lots of churches called Bethel, and it's because it means Beth El, house of God. That's what it means. So he called this place Bethel, um, though the city used to be called Luz. Then Jacob made a vow saying if God be with me and will watch over me on this journey I am taken and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear so that I return safely to my father's household then the Lord will be my God and this stone that I have set up as a pillar will be God's house and all that you give me I will give you a tenth. Can you see the journey here? There are no rules at this time. Moses hasn't written the law or as we understand the law. There's no rules. There is just a heart connection. Something goes off in Abraham's heart that causes him to give the king a tenth. Something goes off in an encounter with heaven in Jacob's heart that causes him to give a tenth. This is God's portion. This is the fathers of our faith honoring God with his portion, not taking it for themselves, but giving it back to the king. It's God's portion. Then later on we find Moses writes the law and he puts in the law that we should be giving a tenth that becomes a rule. Now the reason Moses has to do that is because he knows the men of Israel's hearts are hard. And hard hearts aren't going to be soft enough to make a great God-honoring decision. So rather than allow their hearts to choose, he makes it a rule. And so often now we refer back to that's the law, that's the rules, we're past all that but our hearts still need to be in touch with the king. The principle is an eternal principle right from Eden all the way through. Let me show you what Malachi the prophet says here. Malachi 3 and verse 8 and then verse 10. Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me, but you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there's not room enough to store it. Can you see this? We've unpacked it with Jacob that the house of God is where the tithe belongs. And then they, they go on and people stop doing that. And God speaks through the prophet and says, you're robbing me. God says, this is my portion. It's not even yours. By not giving it, you're taking what's mine. That's how people rob God. And what does he say? Put it in the storehouse. Why? So there'll be food on my table. When we tithe to the church, it allows the church to have food. It allows the church to function. And I want to just give a massive shout out to every single one of you who are in Equipers Church Essex who tithe. We are now sitting in a building that is is being paid for. We are now using a camera that is paid for. We now have these lights which is paid for. We have been able to help uh, give hampers away and food away to people because people have honoured God with their money. The only reason we can do all of this, we're allowed to get the gospel out there. People are hearing about Jesus. Lives are being changed. Why? Because there's a bunch of faithful men and women that honor God with the tithe so that there'll be food on my table. You know, in in our culture, I like to put it like this. Everyone is welcome here. But some people are family and some people are guests. And family pays for the meal. You know, if you came to my house for a meal, we'd pay for it. I wouldn't expect you to invite you around and say, oh, uh, can you put chip of fiver in for that chunk of beef you just ate? It's my treat because I'm the family. And it's the same in church life. When we're family, we say, we foot the bill. It costs something. And God in his processes has instigated this tithe. And as we honor his portion, it allows food to be on the table in church to function. And it's good. What I love there is you can never outgive God. And time and time again, when God says, honor me with your finances and I'll bless you back again, it's not a get rich quick scheme, but it's nevertheless a truth that God will honor those who honor him for those people who who wrestle with this being old testament stuff let me talk to you about jesus jesus new testament and um, here jesus says this in luke 16 and verse 10 through 13 jesus speaking whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with very much right there is why if you're in a situation where you haven't got lots of money steward it well Because as you steward it well, God looks on that and says, wow, you're handling that really well. I think I can release more to you because God is our ultimate source. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with very much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with very much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. It takes you back to our starting point, doesn't it? Jesus saying here, there's this heart wrestle with God and with money. Come on, you have to choose. Who's Lord of your life? Is it money or is it God? Because you can't be both. And I love this. Jesus says, if you can't be trustworthy handling someone else's possessions, well, what's he talking about? What on earth is Jesus going on about there? Well, to work that out, we need to check to another passage where Jesus speaks. And it's here in Mark chapter 12 and verse 17. This is where uh, the people are asking Jesus, should they pay taxes to Caesar? And he says to them, you know, bring out, bring out the, the, the denarii, bring out the coin and, and show me who, whose face is on that. And then Jesus says this in Mark 12, 17. He said to them, give back to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's. And they were amazed at him. Now, what on earth could Jesus be talking about? Give to God what is God's. What is referring back to the tithe? He's referring back to the heart principle that God instigated from the beginning, that the fathers of our faith faith instigated and the prophets had to push and say, come on, we've got to do the right thing. Jesus himself is saying the tithe belongs to God. So when he's saying, if you can't be trustworthy in handling what belongs to someone else, if you can't be trustworthy in the tithe because it's God's, how can you end up with what's your own? How can you expect heaven to be blessed through your life? Can you see how this picture unfolds? Tithing ultimately is a heart issue. And it's an issue that says, God, you are king and I honour the king's portion. God, you are my source, and the first 10% belongs to you. I find it all the way through your word, and it's a principle that still is alive today. And I just, God bless you, every single one of you who commits to tithe, and I know this, everyone I know who tithes has never ended up worse. They've always ended up blessed. They've always ended up walking out somewhere, the flow of heaven, and it's not just finances. Jesus talks about true riches. It's about the flow of heaven going in your life because you decided what's king in your world. The whole idea of honour flows through this principle. I don't know if you've ever been honoured, you know whether you've been given the the, the key seat, to front row seat, the, the main seat, and you feel blessed, and oh, God, they rate me here, That it's honouring. Or, or if you've been given a round of applause for something that you've done and you feel like, oh, wow, they really respected and honoured me for that. Or whether you've been asked for an opinion on something that really... It is important it's honoring when people are asking you those things they're honoring you because they value you so honor is a huge thing which we can all understand and in our relationship with God it's an honor one you know in 1 Samuel 2 in verse 30 it says God says those who honor me I will honor notice the balls in our court God's done his bit already he sent Jesus now we get chance to honor him and as we honor him, it creates this cycle of flow. I honor you, you honor me. I honor you, you honor me. I give to you, it comes back to me. There's this cycle of honor. Look at this, Proverbs 3 and verse 9 and 10. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. Can you see what happens here? Honor. It's an honor issue. Give to God the first bit, the 10%. It belongs to him. And what happens? It allows flow. It causes flow. And consistently, all the way through God's word, it doesn't talk about tithing time and stuff. It talks about possessions. It's talking about they would do mint and time and these kind of things. It's things they dealt with. It's what they dealt with in the time. It's how they traded. So in our context, it's talking about our income. And so there's this idea of honoring, showing your heart, the king's portion, showing him who's God, and it allows flow, and it allows church to function and spread the gospel and bring good news to people and feed the poor and heal the sick and do all the things we're called to do. That's how it works. Adam and Eve didn't honor the king's portion. God still loved them, but it absolutely interrupted the flow of heaven in their lives. The tithe is God's portion, and we get a choice today to say, are we going to honor it, or are we not going to honor it? Exactly the same decision that Adam and Eve had right at the beginning. I don't know how you view that, but I look at that and think, what were they doing? As if we'd all do something different. But the truth of the matter is, we get the same choice today. There is a king's portion, and will you honor it? What I love about this is that as you experience the flow of heaven in your life, your confidence goes up. Because you're never going to be able to outgive God. You know, who on earth has got as much as God? He created the universe for crying out loud. A few quid's not a problem to God. So as we start getting confidence with it, generosity erupts. And generosity is the next stage on from tithing. Tithing is God's portion. It's not even mine, it's his. I'll give it back to him. Generosity starts at the next bit, where I say, I'm now giving what's mine. That's when generosity erupts. And the, the word says that the world of the generous gets larger and larger. And the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. It's this whole idea that generosity breeds generosity. Generosity breeds blessing. Generosity breeds life. Or you can just keep it all to yourself and you become small. And so many times when looking at financial dealings and wisdom and heart attitudes, the the word says, be freely to give. But there's this other element. There's this other element of, of stewardship and stewardship has everything to do with wisdom because let's just assume you're going to choose to say I'm honoring that portion of God so I'm giving away the 10% what that allows then is God to bless your 90% you can have 100% of all your money and keep it for yourself and that's fine and God says I love you anyway but you can't walk in the blessings of heaven in your financial world if you're not going to honor the king's portion But if you honor him with that, then you've got 90% and now you get to choose what you do with that. And there's wisdom in stewardship. And as we get God into the center of our finances, there is no question that flow happens. What I want to do right now is I want to show you a conversation I had with the awesome man that is Peter Brandis. And Peter's someone that's uh, really inspired me over the years. I know his journey, he'll unpack that for us a little bit, I'm sure. But some years ago, he did a, a, a Saturday seminar on stewardship and handling money and just got some real practical details, and I remembered it. And I said, Pete, would you have a conversation with me that we can include in this preach just to unpack some of your journey with handling finances? And I hope this will bless you as Pete talks about stewardship. Hey Pete, how are you mate? Good, thank you. How are you? Uh, We're in the middle of this preach around money and I just, you're someone in my life who's always inspired me with financial dealings and so I thought I'd pull you in and just get some of your perspective on stuff. Bearing in mind, lots of people probably don't know you, especially with the crowd we're gathering on Church Now. Would you give us a little bit of your journey with your finances? Uh, Just unpack that a little bit for us?
1: Yeah, sure. So I mean, I mean, hello everyone apologies if we've never met um, you have know, probably seen em and me with the two stressed parents with the three young kids running around chasing three of them going, ben, behind us. that's us but um you know we are we are human and we will be around when things things get better um i think i think my journey uh, sort of unpacking it then so i mean as a child growing up we we just through no fault of, uh, of my mum's, we we were growing up with a lot of debt hanging over us. Um, she did a phenomenal job of raising us where even though everything we had was, um, you know, limited, secondhand, whatever, it, it didn't matter because, you know, we were loved. Um, my mum, as a teacher, single parent of three, um, just just did such a good job of making sure that we never felt that just because we didn't have a lot of stuff that we were somehow inadequate so I, I, I felt I feel like my journey with money has been one of having to learn how to handle it because I came from having literally none of it and I think when I first got my first job you know like anyone I guess is once you start getting money you suddenly think well you know what can I do with it and I probably had a couple of years of a real lack of wisdom because not having it to suddenly having it, I just didn't know what to do. Um, but my sister, my older sister, um, you know, gave me some wisdom very early on and sort of basically pulled me to one side, um, helped me sort myself out. You know, I'm not saying I'm, I've always had the perfect outlook. You know, I ran up a little bit of debt. She helped me sort that out. Um, and it was from that principle of her saying to me, look, you know, you need to you need to set budgets. You need to realize you can't have what you want. You know, you've got to work for it or you just got to not have it. Um, and and over those years of um, realizing that actually, you know, w- with money, you can fall into to traps um, or, or let's say not money with wanting stuff that maybe goes beyond your means. You can actually rack up a lot of debt. And the debt was the bit that was pretty Um, scary Um, I mean it it was only I'm gonna say only but it was like a couple of grand or something but that took time to to work off um, and sort out and then I actually benefited from listening to a number of different preachers who were all talking about principles of just good stewardship and I've always grown up knowing that if you've got a good attitude you know you don't let pride grow within you you know keep yourself humble work hard you know Good things come to, to people that, that are trustworthy, hardworking and so on. So I've always done that. I've always been a grafter um, and slowly, you know, progressed through my career and stuff. And then as you know, as you progress through a career, you earn more money. You're then faced with, OK, what are you going to do with that? And I got to a point in my life, and I can't actually remember when it was. Um, I know, which well, probably was when Emmy got married, um, we decided we wanted principles in place because we wanted to make sure that we didn't get into debt, that we didn't, you know, uh, live in a way that meant that we lived beyond our means, but we also wanted to make sure that we weren't, you know, sort of aimless, I guess is the key thing. So we put in place principles of having a pot, a rainy day pot. So just, and again, it wasn't a huge pot, it was just, we were slowly building it up. So for what we could afford was, you know, a pot for when things go wrong, a pot for fun times and then just living in general so we started and 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 that's aside from obviously giving to god and giving beyond but we 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 looked at money in a way of you know it's it's a finite amount you know and therefore with what we have what can we do with it and therefore you create a little roadmap a little set of principles and and you know we've just been scaling that up so as as and when either my career has progressed or we've you know we've just come into some kind of good fortune. You know, we we don't look at it and go right. Let's just splurge it. We look at it and go right. Okay, how are we going to apply it? His God's portion. You know, who can we bless? What wow. can we do? With it? And I think I think I think your perception of money um, is is really what will make or break you. Um, and when I say money, I don't just mean physical, cold, car, card cold. Can't even get my words out. Cold hard cash. I'm talking about stuff. I'm talking about you know. Mm-hmm other people's possessions or, you know, the, the need to never work, whatever that dream people might have is, you know, if you look at the world and you look at wealth and you think that if I have more of it, then I'm going to be happier or my life is going to be better. um, Then you can potentially fall into some pitfalls. So two points I want to unpack on that. Firstly, there is an obvious difference between, you know, real poverty, which I've handled heart can say I've, I've experienced, you know, for a long time in my childhood and obscene wealth. And when I say obscene wealth, I'm talking about Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos and all the billionaires out there. And then the vast majority of society fits somewhere in here. Right. Yeah. So you've got like the rich and the super rich, most of society, and then people that are, are struggling. Right. Clearly, you know, if you are, unable to put clothes on your back food on the table somewhere to live and improvement in your finances is going to improve your well-being and your happiness i know that i know what it's like to to be faced being homeless wow. i know what it's like to have the relief of finding somewhere to live um i know what it's like to to be made unemployed to go unemployed for you know i was unemployed for 18 months and to feel the hopelessness and the lack of self-worth you know i I've experienced times in my life where I've looked at money and validated myself by the lack of it, or let's say felt that I'm not valid because I don't have, or I can't provide or whatever that is. And then I've gone through times of extreme blessing from God, where my career just seems to really take off. And, and in all of those times I look back at it and I think God never left me, you know, and I, I look at it and go, if I looked at money just as the means of my happiness, or it was money that got me this or money that got me that, then my life would be pretty empty. Yeah. Whereas when I look back at everything, I look back at my life almost like, or well, my life is a story of Joseph in the Bible in terms of, you know, God took someone who had, you know, a lot of appreciation from his, from his father literally took him to nothing and then rebuilt him up to, you know, the the prime minister of Egypt. And I'm not saying I'm, I'm going to be the prime minister of the UK, but I'm saying, I've gone from, you know, pits of despair to meteoric rises in, in my own, my relative situation, right. Where I've seen God move and I've gone, there's nothing but God in this. Um, And God puts me through hard times to then open up a blessing and and you know one of our principles that mme apply is when we go for a period of blessing then you know pass that blessing on so Uh you know that is really important if you look at money as just the means for propping up your own life and padding out your own you know wealth and well-being you know there's only so much that god will put your way whereas if you look at money as a tool to do god's work right Yeah. yeah then then if you get and you give and you get and you invest, and I don't mean invest in stocks and shares, I mean invest in people, invest in blessing, wow. Wow. money sensibly, then I feel that God can trust you with it. And I look at when I'm hiring someone, so currently in my, my position, you know, I, I interview people, I'm not looking for someone who's a superstar that's all about them. I'm looking for someone that's a team player that's humble, that you know, follows instructions, because that is the person that I'm gonna know that's gonna benefit us as a business not the self-centered superstar that just wants everything yeah. for themselves and i look at the use of money and i think you know if you look at money as it's a hundred percent gods right and i know we say the principle of the tide is ten percent but if you look at it as, it's a hundred percent gods you're going to spend it or ah. use it with far more um humility because you're like everything i have comes from god then you know it's not mine and that wow. i think that's why you know and and I, 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 I'll be really blunt you know we've just moved house we're quite worried about people's perception of us because the house we've just bought is pretty amazing but yeah. it's all none of it is is me none of it is me being special or me being or me yeah. and them because it's us we're yeah. married for a team you know there's nothing amazing about us we simply love God want God to, to, to be able yeah. to use the rest yeah. of people, and I feel like You know, the the time we're in at the moment, the blessings that we're seeing at the moment um, is probably the seed that we sowed a number of years ago, where we just, you know, in our times of literally having nothing, we were faithful in those times. Yeah. And I think if you then, so then, you know, I've been quite worried about this talk because of perception and people saying, well, it's okay for you, you know, look at what you've got. But I, I feel like there's even more pressure on me now because... You know, God doesn't expect someone that's earning one thousand pounds a year to give one thousand pounds of their income away. But someone that's earning let's just pick a number of a hundred grand. Well, then you know the person that earns a hundred grand versus the person that earns one thousand pounds more is expected of the person earning a hundred grand. More wow. is expected of the person earning a million. So if you if your wealth is increasing over time, then you know there's a proportion. You know, the 10% of a thousand, the 10% of a hundred, the 10% of a million, you know, wow, they be in proportion. So can you keep yourself and your, your outlook in proportion such that you've got the room? And I personally believe, and this is my personal view, is that beyond the point of adequate living where, you know, we all only need a certain amount of stuff, and yeah. beyond that point, yeah. Yeah. you then get yeah. buffer. So the richer person out there, there is more expected in my mind, you know, yeah. if it gives you more, then you need to be more generous with it. Wow. Um, and you need to you need to use it wisely. So I would say that anybody that's chasing wealth and anyone that's chasing a bigger bank account is, you know, if you're chasing that, make sure it's not for your own kind of pride wow. and
0: self-worth. Wow. Wow.
1: I would say chase that dream if you're willing to give it all away. Because yeah. It's 100% God's, and I know numerous people where God said, "I literally want you to give it all away," or "I want to challenge wow. giving." You wow. know, yeah, I've given this to you, but now I want you to give it to that person. And yeah we, yeah, we 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 had that recently where we just felt God say, you know, "I want I want you to 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 to, to you know be generous and, and do some over and above giving." And you know, we immediately after that giving have <laughs> faced you know thousands of pounds of bills on this new home. Wow. But I'm not fretting, because I'm like, okay, our our bank balance has taken a meteoric hit, but God's yeah. so thankful.
0: For everything yeah. he's given
1: us. And I, I know that, you know, I'm I'm no no, God's no debtor in terms of if I've given to him, he can more Come than on.
0: yeah.
1: I think I think in terms of you know, my journey, what I've learned, you know, the 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 my outlook is at every stage in my life where god has expanded either my my career or our personal circumstances where and i'm not talking just materially i'm talking the blessing we got we had we were in a situation where we didn't think we could have any kids and now we've got three you know that is blessing that is wealth because that is you know that is sheer sheer joy and blessing every time god has expanded us you know i sit there and i think okay that is now a new perspective where I need to think uh, it's not about me. Yeah, Even though the well, yeah, world look at me go, well done for that promotion or well done for that house, well done for, yeah, well done yeah. for this. Platform. It's not me. I didn't yeah. put me there. Yeah. God's one that's put me there. And I need to humble myself. Wow. I need to make sure that I don't think I've got myself there.
0: You know, yeah. what I need
1: to do is I've got a humble yeah. heart yeah. that i am yeah. anything a hardworking um approaches and that i can be trusted because that's the yeah. other thing is right? yeah. trust is you know you know that that parable of the um the, the, the coins where you know there's the one the three and, and the five i think that's right I'm, yeah I'm, I'm a terrible christian if you don't know my of my parables but you know the one that took the one and buried it that was a lack of trust in god wow you know? and and wow. i think that was the key thing i would say is in my times of greatest need is is where i've i've sowed more into god and again wow. it's, it's money but it's faith right it's 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 because it's twofold you can give the money over but doubt god but you've got to yeah. give the money over and trust god and Come i think you know, you pray into that so if you are sowing a seed if you are building the house or you know you're thinking should i tie them up you know pray pray into it you know pray into you know what god will do with that but also what god will do with you as a result wow because, wow you know, if, if my wealth doubled or tripled or you know multiplied over 10 times over you know right now i would feel wary of that because of what you know sin and the world can do with that yeah. and so every time every time i've seen an expansion of what i have i i have to you know go back to god and just ask him to humble me and keep, wow. me, keep, wow. me, keep my perspective right because yeah. you know if you look the accumulation of wealth as your means of happiness or validation you're going to be bitterly disappointed unless yeah.
0: god is 100%. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. It, I- it's, it's so good what you've said a couple of statements you've made and ultimately you won't know but in my preaching i'm talking about heart attitude and in, in essence that's what you're saying you have to have a perspective on it that comes ultimately from your heart and what i love there pete you said we talk about the 10 percent, but i view it that 100 percent is god's and then you steward that that's that's just game changing right there that statement actually everything comes from god and i want to steward all of that before him that's just so amazing um, and, and i love your humility and i love the way you're concerned with how people might view you because of your success but as a church pastor i want to celebrate your success because you've shown god your heart on the way so why can we how can we preach You know, the gospel says have the full life, and then when someone has the full life, judge them for it. Come on, let's celebrate all that you've achieved, and anyone else who might, and and I love your humility in that. Hey, I'm going to hand back over to to me in the preaching room. You cover so much ground, Pete, and it's just been so good that you're without even realising it, backing up some of the things I'm preaching. And uh, we're celebrating you, love doing life with you. And uh, hey, everyone, if you're in the chat box right now, give a huge thank you to Pete and Em and the family there for all that they have wisdom they carry in this financial arena. Here's back to the preach. Thanks so much, Pete, for being willing to give us some of your time and some of your wisdom. We honour you. We love you guys so much. Blessings on you and your household. Uh, You're an amazing family and we're privileged to call you family. So thanks so, so much. So in all of these discussions we've had today, it's, it's heart condition. It's wisdom. It's doing something different to experience something different. It's honour. It's the king's portion. It's generosity. It's all these things. It's a great big area and it affects us all. But my prayer is that in all of this that you'd flourish, that you'd be prayerful yourself, that you'd have conversations and you'd make great God-honouring choices and that you'd walk out in the blessings of heaven. So God bless you. Let me pray for you. Father God, I just wanna thank you for every incredible person that's tuned in to listen to this message. Lord, I just speak a blessing on them right now. Lord, in the discussions, in the thought processes, in the praying it through, Lord God, I just pray that you'd stir us to honor you because we know you will honor your word and therefore you will honor us back. So Lord, I just pray for great wisdom for everyone. I pray for people that have been willing to do something different, to take new steps to be vessels for your kingdom, that life would flow on earth because of the way your church handles its financial worlds. Thank you, Lord God. Lord, for those who are in a, in a moment of struggle, who are struggling financially, Lord God, I just pray you'd flow, uh, throw open the floodgates of heaven. Lord, I just ask that they'd be able to dig themselves out of that position and find themselves in a better place. Lord, for those who are financially successful, bless them, Lord God, and I just pray you'd move hearts towards generosity and move hearts towards honour Lord God that there could be the flow of heaven in and around our personal lives our family lives and our church life Lord we want to be people that advance the kingdom and that costs so use us I pray and all God's people said amen I just always want to give people opportunity to respond. I'll do it every week because I don't know who's listening. I don't know what's going on in your heart, but I know this. When you give your heart to Jesus, it's a game changer. It's a life changer, and it guarantees your eternity with the Father. So if you're someone today who says, do you know what? Today's the day I want to invite Jesus into my heart and go on a journey of life with him. Let me pray that prayer with you. Father God, today I invite you into my heart. Thank you that you loved me. Thank you that you came from heaven to earth, that you died a death you didn't deserve and you rose again because death couldn't hold you. Today I choose you. Come and be my Lord. Come and be my Savior. Come and be my friend. I'm sorry for the things I've done that have separated us. But today I say, lead me forward. I honor you and you are my King. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. I hope that's blessed you. I hope you had a great morning. Please be in touch with us with, with feedback. Be in touch with us if you've made that, prayed that prayer. We want to get to know you and walk out that journey with you. But I'm going to hand you back to our awesome worship team. So have a great week and God bless you.